we're, we're looking to get a thousand doors and we're looking to get 150, you know, at least 150 this year. Okay. Um, so that, that's like the main thing is like to continue on this journey of buying uh, more doors. Welcome to House Rich, the real estate show. We talk to average people that have done above average thing in real estate. So today we're going to talk to the Monopoly Bros. Who are they? Um, so they're basically uh, two guys from Detroit that parlayed their single family investing all the way into a 52 unit apartment building. And so we're going to talk about their journey and a lot of other things. So um, thank you two for coming on. You guys want to introduce yourselves to the, uh, the good folks on the show? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us, my man. Uh, yeah, part of Monopoly Bros. My name is Jamil. Um, and uh, we're super excited to be here, obviously. Um, but yeah, we're from Detroit area. Uh, we started off with just kind of starting, you know, how Monopoly starts off, buying single family homes, yeah. uh, flipping homes, and then uh, eventually moving on to uh, multifamily, uh, which we, which uh, was a fun deal we did together and uh, has some partners. And we'll talk more about that as we go. But okay. um, yeah, Eric, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for having us, uh, like Jamil mentioned. Um, yeah. My name is Eric Friday. Uh, I started similar, uh, started up wholesaling. Uh, elevated to buying and flipping, buying and holding single families, buying and holding multifamily, and then now up into a 52-unit building. Um, so yeah, excited to be here. Excited to, um, you know. Cool. So, cool. So, always. So, in my uh, line of work, I deal with a lot of people that are purchasing like homes. Most people purchasing like single-family properties, and so the biggest impediment I always see with folks that are looking to buy like single-family properties is they don't think they can do it. They're, like they're scared to apply. In the first place, so you know you can't even apply to buy a single-family property if you're if you just if you think going to get denied in the first place. So I'm like, wonder what what gave you guys like the audacity, the mindset to say, hey, I can buy an apartment building like in the first place, like because most people are scared to buy like a single-family property. Like, why did you what 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 kind of mindset did you guys have to say, hey, I want to buy a 50-unit property building? Was that the mindset when you started, or that you kind of evolved there? How did you get to that that point, basically? Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, it's really. It's really who you surround yourself with. We, okay. we surround ourselves around others that was buying apartment buildings. We have friends and others that already owned 100 units, 200 units, 500 units. So when you have zero, um, you know, you're around others and they're talking about it. You're they're They're, you know, engulfed in multifamily and they're kind of pushing to get into it. It becomes, it becomes less scary because that's who you're around. Now your mindset changes over to that. So um, I think that's the real mindset shift is being around others that are doing it and not and being around those that can show you how to do it in your daily conversations and just being together. Okay. And so how did you, how did you start for either one of you? What was like the first property or first real estate transaction um, you, you had? Uh, mine was a single family purchase from the auction. I, um, I bought it, you know, just from the auction. It was a thousand dollars from the auction. That was my very first. Okay. Uh, transaction how about you uh yeah mine came from a wholesaler that was my first single family home in detroit ten thousand dollars uh got it from a wholesaler and uh start renting out yeah first one ever and so when you when you bought for both of you when you bought that first property like what was the the plan was it to keep doing the single families like what was kind of the the plan when you first started uh yeah mine for sure i bought with the intent to keep it pretty much forever is in the neighborhood I grew up in. So I had, I had literally been saying I was going to buy the house for like two years. All right. Um, 
prior to actually buying it. And so what what um what took two years for you to buy the home? Like was it just you know the money, the qualifications, you just didn't know what to do? No, it um it hadn't hit the auction. Okay. It was um here they were in Wayne County in, in Michigan, they go based on the the back taxes. So it, it takes three years, at least three years for them to even be eligible to hit the auction. And then depending on what that owner does, it could take longer. Okay, so you bought it like a, one of those tax auction yep. sales or can you, can you talk a little bit about that, that process, please? Yeah, so that, it was, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, the Wayne County Tax Auction is basically, um, they put out, they have a registration period where you can register. Um, that's at no cost to you. Um, but during that registration period, for you to be eligible for the auction, you do have to put a deposit down by a certain time. Um, at the time, if you wanted to bid on one, on one property, it was $2,500. If you wanted to bid on multiple properties, you had to put down a $10,000 um, deposit. And then from that point, you're locked in and then you just wait, you, you see which houses you want and you see which dates they hit the auction and which dates they end. And you pick and choose, you know, when you want to go in and bid or obviously you want to make sure before the bid ends that you are at least in contention if you want to, you know, up your bid. But basically you just watch um, and that's okay. what I did. And, and, and so how, is that, so with the tax sales, is it basically you're paying the back taxes and does the, does the owner have a chance like to, um, like, I know, I think like in Dallas, they have like a year to, um, to try to pay the taxes and get the home back. Or do you just get the home immediately after you pay the, the taxes? So you, uh, you get the home. Uh, originally, what they do is uh, typically is what the, the uh, auction price will be, the amount of back taxes that are, that are owed. Uh -huh. That price, whatever you pay, will go towards the taxes. Um, if it doesn't sell in that first auction, it then goes to another auction where they start the bids at $500. Regardless of what you buy the property for the back taxes are wiped clean but okay. no other like liens or judgments are wiped like you get a quick claim deed so you okay. have insurance on the property you just have a deed saying that you have interest in the property at that point um and then yes uh the sellers do have a redemption period i believe it's six months that they would have to redeem it um or at least make a claim to redeem the property for the amount that it was sold in the auction Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. And then Jamil, going back to like your, your first property, like what was the plan we with that first property? Was it to stay single family? Was it to go multifamily or kind of what was the game plan there? Yeah, I mean, I was I was I was scared of my mind. I just wanted to get one <laughs> property, get one tenant and just hopefully can cash flow. You know, I just yeah. I bought a property from a wholesale that I trusted that I that I met in the networking event space. And uh, yeah, my main goal was just to get it, fix it up some and rent that bad boy out. So how, how did you even find that community or that network because like uh, most folks probably well can you explain what a wholesaler is because like, i think a lot of folks don't even know what a wholesaler is to begin with yeah so wholesaler basically is a, a person that is finding uh, off-market deals um do some kind of marketing with us cold call it bandit signs referrals and they're assigning interest they're wholesaling to an investor or the middleman in between a, a seller that's looking to sell that typically has um, uh, a dire need to sell and selling it off to an investor that is uh, that's looking to pay cash for properties or looking to buy properties in bulk and such. I was in, I was that investor at time that investor at that time and I know when I bought through the wholesaler. And how, like I so said, how did you find that community to begin with? Because like, how did you get interested in that or even like find out what a wholesaler was to in the first place? Yeah, so it was actually through a, a, I believe she was through a, um, a networking event that I went through uh, Jay Morrison at the time. Uh, he was a uh, and he's a big time, I guess, real estate guru kind of guy. And yeah. years ago, uh, he had like a community and came to Detroit. And that's how I met her. And we okay. just kind of stay connected and uh, and stay followed up with each other.
Okay. And how long have you two known each other? How did you two connect? Yeah, it was the uh, same similar thing. We met through a networking space, which is, you know, the importance of networking and meeting others. It was the same event. Okay. Was it the same? It might have been the same event. Yeah, it's crazy. It was the same event. Okay. You're right. You're the same event. Yeah, show the power of it. And, um, and yeah, and we met through that same event. And like I said, stayed in contact, followed each other through Instagram and just kind of started building together. Okay. And uh, let me to jump back a little bit. Like, what is what is your two's, like, background? So, like, I don't know, in, in like, in high school, we graduated high school, or I don't know if you went to, to college, like, was the plan to, to get into real estate the whole time or that just kind of come from, um, you know, reading books, learning, and networking? I guess you can go, you can go first, uh, Eric. Uh, yeah, no, for me, uh, yeah, real estate wasn't even a thought. Okay. Um, the only thing I, you know, it was far, the furthest thing from the truth. Right. Um, I wasn't worried about anything like that. I was really only worried about trying to get some money um, mm-hmm. and poss- and going to school and okay. that to get money. Um, and then, yeah, I, I ended up going to school, computer engineering. Um, I left a four-year college I was at, went to a community college for a semester, left there, and then ended up going to like an institute where I ended up getting my engineering degree. Okay. And I end up getting an engineering job. That's really what pushed me into real estate. Okay, honestly. okay. So, so getting okay because I know uh, I have a li- I know a little bit about engineering. I know it's super super hard. I took some electrical engineering classes. So, um, was the plan to become like a? So, what what was the plan when you got the degree? Uh, I mean, it was it was strictly and sad to say it was strictly money based. Okay, um, it was get a job, get this job, and what's the next position up? where I can, can, you know, excel that or increase my income. And then once I get there, what's the next, you know, what's the next level that I get to that will increase my income? So in engineering, it's like you get to be an engineer, then you get to be like a manager, maybe an executive manager, then an executive. That was what I thought I was going to do, just move up the ladder. Okay. And, sorry, well, okay, okay. Um, and so, um, sorry, I got thrown off a little bit there. And so, um, you kind of guys talk about when you connected. Like, what was the, what was the plan when you two connected? Like I said, were you like, well, I guess who had the idea as far as um, kind of moving into the multifamily space? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the plan. I mean, the, the plan was, you know, we didn't have a plan. I think that's why the number both came together. Right. We both right. just had a similar. Uh, mentality of like, hey, we both know we want to do multifamily. And if you find a deal or I find a deal, let's pull together our resources to close on a multifamily deal. So whether it's if one person is raising money or one person is uh, marketing to get multifamily, let's just make sure that me and you are together on this. And that's kind of how it started. And then me and him started really planning things out and we went to an event and um, it kind of took over from there. But uh, initially though, it was more so like, hey, the only person I know is looking to buy multifamily. So let's right. make sure me and you are, are trying to, let's, let's, let's figure out how we can do this together. Let's just keep each other involved and in touch. Okay. And so could you, you walk through, so, so I want to get to the, um, the apartment building. So how do you get from single family homes? You guys are networking. When you say multifamily, you're talking about less than four units, like uh, residential, or are you talking about um, larger than four units when you say multifamily? Yeah, talking. We're talking uh, larger than four units. Um, okay. Yeah, so this one's fifty-two in this in this case. Okay. Um, but we're looking for everything five units and above. Okay. So yeah. So how, how did you how did you actually so how do you purchase a fifty-two unit bid? I'll just ask that. Like, how do you go about um, you know getting the financing for that? 
I assume you yeah. need some sort of like management experience, I, I would think, or like how do you how do you buy a fidgety unit building? I would say I I I'm assuming you two aren't like weren't millionaires before this, or or didn't like how do you, how do you get the financing and all that to to buy the home? Or yeah, buy, buy the question. building. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I guess I'll give you how we did. There's many ways of doing it, right? There's okay. multiple different ways, but how we were came about it is we um so long story short, I me and him we were uh, cold calling sellers that actually own multifamily, right? So we're calling mm -hmm. mom and pop owners that own multifamily real estate. And um, we came across a, a surgeon that was looking to sell these units. That was 52 units total. Okay. And so back to the whole thing prior about your network is your net worth, right? We have partners that already own units. So we just partner with them uh, where we put up some cash, they put up cash, they're raising money. And once you're able to get investors involved, right, able to raise money, you have maybe 10 investors that raise X amount of money, right? You bring the deal in. We are, you know, we already have a property management company that they use that they're familiar with. Okay. And they're doing a 1031 exchange. So it's really just pulling together a bunch of resources to help buy it, right? And then we get our equity out of the thing for bringing the deal and putting cash up. So once again, yeah, we didn't sign on a $5.6 million loan, right? <laughs> but you don't necessarily, but most this is what I tell people that's looking to buy a uh, multifamily. You don't need to, right? You, you, what you have to do is be able to find a deal and be able to raise money. Um, if there's 20, if you have, you know, 20 people that can raise, uh, that can bring in 50,000, right? That's pretty much a million right there that you can put down a down payment, right? You don't have to use okay. always your money. So you have bank money, you have investors money, and then you have uh, just relationships. So all that together kind of got us to the 52 units. Uh, but more importantly, was actually finding somebody I was looking to sell and make sure he got a good deal from it. Okay, and so, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, so my understanding of like purchasing a building like that is like, one, whether you have the money or not, you need like someone, in the, and maybe you talked about that, the property manager, but you need someone that actually has the actual experience, like managing a, a, um, a building of that size. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, we have that. Back to back to the networking department, uh -huh. right? There's multiple people in this. We have guys that that own a thousand units prior, right? We okay. have a property manager, an insurance company, and a lender that's that's that they use on prior deals. So that goes back to the networking relationships, right? So uh, make sure you surround yourself with those people because they're able to leverage their expertise and their name to be able to for people to feel comfortable with you buying that building. So yes, that was already lined up because of our network. Okay. And, and the, the financing side as well. So they're, they'll give you the loan based off the projected income. Is that correct for a building that big? Or how do they figure out like what you can actually qualify for? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, exactly. Pretty much what you said. They're going off what the income is and what's the projected income. Right. So um, they're looking at the cap rate. They're looking at the NOI, the cash on cash return. They're looking at all the numbers. And they, they underwrite, banks look at this as an investment. They look at multifamily as a business. Whereas when you're looking at single family, right, we're looking at more as it's, it's, it's kind of like appreciation is different, right? We're looking at a different space. Multifamily, they look at multifamily like a business. So they want to see numbers. They're underwriting this. And we actually send them our underwriting numbers okay. so you can see what this building generates. And then based upon that, they can go ahead and, and give out money based upon those numbers. So like, what are, what are some of the key um, things they look at? So I know like when you're purchasing a single family home, they look at like credit, your debt to ratio and funds. So like, what are some of the things they look at for like a commercial property yeah you want to jump in this one i can too i mean they're looking at the same things but then like jamil said they're looking at the asset too uh, and how well the asset is performing so they'll look at your um your credit worthiness um but more importantly 
They're looking at your portfolio, your previous experience in the, the, the commercial field. How many loans have you actually signed on? How many deals have you actually done? And then they're taking into account this property that you're trying to get loan a loan on. Mm-hmm. And then they're combining it all together to make a decision. Because And then some of it is even relationship-based. Okay. And so what kind of criteria do, do you use as investors to say, hey, this is a good deal in the first place? Like, are you guys looking at the, the P&L or like, what are you looking to say, hey, this is a good deal for me to even, you know, try to make an offer on in the first place? Yeah, so we we literally have an Excel sheet that um, one of our mentors and we're in his real estate lab group, um, David, he created a software um, or an Excel sheet that has like eight or nine tabs. Okay. And it looks at literally everything. Okay. So profit, loss, expenses, gross income, rents, uh, square footage, unit mixture, um, cap X. Like we're, we're taking into account literally everything. And we're asking the owners of the, home, of the buildings that we're looking to buy from, we're asking them for a T12, which is a trailing 12 of basically everything within the last year, profit okay. and uh, or expenses and income. And then we're also asking them for a rent roll to say, okay, this, this unit is this amount of money. Um, it's leased at this. Um, the lease ends at this point. The tenant pays this. So we're 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 literally going through. We're at least we're trying to go through every single number uh-huh. that to make a decision. What would you say some some like red flags? Like as an investor, you're looking to say, hey, I I see the X, Y, or Z, and this is probably a no go for me. Are there any like red flags you would kind of um, say for folks to look out for? Um, specifically, I don't know if it's like red flags, but usually we can tell like a lot of, a lot of people use like per door price. Uh-huh. So like if an owner is asking a per door price that is just way, it's like astronomical or like extremely low, that might be a red flag. Um, especially if it's, it's extremely low in an area that we know the door, the price per door should be a lot higher. Okay. Maybe not having their finances in order okay. to be provide certain things might be a red flag um but other than that i mean we're doing due diligence okay. even after we sign the contract so gotcha. yeah now i guess how long does that process take as well so for the one we we recently closed the due diligence process or just the closing process in general yes yeah, so I'm, I'm just curious so you you identify this this 52 unit building um mm-hmm. at that point do you start pulling numbers from the the seller or do you have to get financing? Well, how, how does that process even even work? Like, are they do they show their hand before you get the financing, or do you need so? This? So initially, what happens is we request that T twelve and that rent roll okay. to our underwriting process because that kind of lets because we're going to need that information to even go get financing and to know if it's a good deal because once we determine it's a good deal, then we have to provide those numbers to someone to finance it. So we're doing that up front before we even get under contract. Once we have an idea of, okay, this looks good. It looks like it can be a deal. And then we were probably on the side working the financing side as well. Then that's when we're going back to the seller and say, hey, this is our offer. And this is, if you agree to this, then we can go under contract and sign. And then we can have our lawyer draw up a purchase and sell agreement. Okay. And okay. Then, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, and then from that point, that's when you kind of enter into, okay, 
this period is due diligence, you know, and such and such and such and such. But all in all, that for us, that that process took four months. Okay. And is that is that typical? I don't. Let me ask you. Did, did you guys ever? Was this like the first um, kind first of one. big deal? Oh, this is the first one you guys ever? Okay. So you have you never got like rejected before? This is just the first one for one so far. Yeah. Well. Um, did we get rejected prior? I mean, we got rejected on making offers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll make yeah, an so, offer. Yeah, so I'm curious about the rejection process as well, just because, you know, what, what kind of lessons did you two learn as far as being heavy after re rejected for one reason or another? Yeah, I mean, you know, we got rejected because, you know, just honestly, a lot of it's just price is too high, right? We, we get the rent roll, we get the T12, we underwrite it, and they want 100000 per door, which in this case, I say a 10 unit, they want a million dollars. And we come back and say, man, this thing's only worth, you know, 750000 and we can't agree on a price. A lot of it comes from just not agreeing on price. Um, that's been our main thing um, as far as uh, getting rejection. Or, as I said, there's multiple partners in a different, in, in multifamily. Every building, every multifamily or apartment building that you see is probably, usually is owned by more than one person. Uh -huh. And when I mean by owned, there's other investors in there, right? There's silent investors, different things like that. And I we have some cases where one person says yes, but the other person says no, right? So that's kind of the big thing where the partners of the owners can't get together and agree um, or simply just, you know, the, the price is too high um, and it doesn't make sense. But that's, that's really the rejection. It's, it's much more straightforward. It's not like single family homes, a lot of emotions in it. It's right. like, this is the price we get. This is the numbers on underwriting. Does gotcha. it make sense? Yes or no. Yeah. And how, how do you all go about managing that? Those, um, the people, I don't know how many people are in your group, but how, like, how do you, go about managing like is there like a one person that's like hey um this person makes makes a call or do 10 out of 10 people have to give the thumbs up like how do you decide like what what you're moving forward with in regards to in so, regards so to like you, so you're investing your money as i guess how many people are in the in the group you're investing um you're investing with well, it's, about, it's about 10 of us together we can count investors okay so do, do all 10 have to give the thumbs up to make to go forward with the transaction or is it like and, uh I don't know. People have like a uh, voting rights, or I don't know how that. How does that process yeah. work? And who gets to decide what? Yeah, I mean, every every structure is different, right? But uh, in this case, um, yes, they all had to say yes. Um, in this particular case, um, where there are everybody has a right to vote, and it's like, and everybody said yes. So in our case, everybody saw the deal it was a great deal, so they were excited because what happened was it was a ten thirty one exchange, okay. so therefore they were getting tax deferred from a great deal to a better deal. So it was kind of a slam dunk. So yeah, everybody said yes very quickly. <laughs> but okay. typically, yes, most people, you do have to have all partners on board, correct? Okay. But you can also sell your part, you know, sell yourself out of the deal, you know, sell your share out of the deal. So there's many ways of getting out and leveraging it, but everybody has to be involved in this particular deal and say yes. Okay, and so once you're, you're in the deal, you've purchased the property, um, how do you go about making decisions as far as like capital expenditures and um, and, and spending money, like who, who makes that call? So, I mean, because it seems to me that it could be a lot of a uh, uh, holdup if like all 10 people have to agree to, I don't know, replace the roof or we're gonna yeah. redo plumbing or fix some toilets. Like who who's making those calls on like the, the day-to-day or like the kind of major expenses as well? That's a good question. So the, the biggest thing is it's, it's a difference. So even there's, let's say in, in our case, it's 10 people. Um, six of those 10 people are just silent investors. So okay. they don't, they don't, they, they are simply just putting the money up and getting a return. 
Whereas the other four, and we'll use me, Eric, we're part of that. Us four or five, whatever it may be, we're the ones that's, that's making the decisions. So it's not as many people. It's kind of splitting on who's kind of the operators, right? We're part okay. of the operator. Who's the investors? So the operators, to answer your question, are the ones making the decision. And, um, and then in that decisions, um, they trust us with their money, the other investors, because we did, they did go in the previous one to okay. help get the up the higher, raise the rents, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's operators and investors, and the operators are the ones that's making those calls on a day-to-day. Okay, cool. Another thing, how long ago did you guys purchase the, actually purchase the building? October, October last year. Okay, so October, so about less, okay, so less than half a year. Um, so how, how has it been, how is it managing like a 50-seater building? I figure a lot of people, a lot of personalities, a lot of stuff. Um, that can happen. Like, how's it managing the the day to day or week to week or whatever of the uh, of the building? Like, are you dealing with like tenants calling you, or do you have somebody that's managing all that? Yeah, good question. So the, the beauty of multifamily, reason why we really recommend it, is because when you're at that high of a level, you more than likely you're getting a property manager. Okay. And um, and when you're talking about property managers, when you have 50 units, 40 units and above, they're typically not. Mo- they're typically. Um, professional and done this for a very long time right it's gotcha. not like a real managing your properties so they t- tackle the tenant stuff me and eric we're asset managers so that's been experienced in front of our side basically we're we're managing the assets so renovations um exterior work interior work getting the units up together so we're doing more things with contractors and um and we're just getting uh, the the units uh put together and making them look nice but we're not really dealing with any tenants of any sort we're living up to the third party property manager okay got gotcha gotcha more more high level uh stuff and so um like speaking of like the asset manager how do you go about um managing the asset budgeting for like those those larger capital expenditures yeah i mean yeah it's just like um you know a flip or any other property just a bigger scale right so we have a budget let's just say uh, a budget is 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 a million dollars right and before you even go and buy the property, we already know we want to do the property. We walked the property 10 times already, right? We've seen everything we need to do. We know it needs a roof. We know it needs paint. We know it needs this. So we're getting bids, right? We're, we're, we're going out to people. We're getting three, four roofers, getting quotes from them, right? Seeing how their business is, checking out their work. So we're already lining all that up before we even buy the building. Um, so our goal and what we were doing is basically putting together everything we know that needs to get done with these units to get them to the look and feel that we want. So we can raise the rents, of course, obviously, and have a better just overall experience. But yeah, we're, we're working with contractors, working with everybody prior and getting quotes and figuring out how we can get this to fit within our budget and what's needed. Okay. And I'm not not getting into your pockets on this. Feel free to answer this with as much or as little detail as uh, you feel like. But like, so you have a 52 unit building um, altogether you paid or you had five, it was $5.7 million and it's 10 of you. So is that is that something that basically, um, if you wanted to, like you could could you just live off the um, whatever you're making off this building, or is that or are you not not that not are you looking for more units, but could you stop right now and just have a comfortable living off of um, whatever you're earning off this this building? Yeah, I mean I could answer that, Eric. It's no. So the answer is no in the sense of no, right? And 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 the thing is, um, because we are new to this, our negotiation equity splits is not necessarily as high as the next person's, right? Okay. So is it giving us, is it giving us money? Of course, but um, not the money that we think we need to live off of, right? We want to, our goal is to get a thousand units and a thousand shares, right? Okay. And um, uh, whenever you're partnering like that, when you have, you know, many investors, right? 
everybody gets a piece of the pie. So it's not yeah. going to be as big if you own it outright. So you know, this 152 unit um, is not, you know, kind of retire on the beach kind of lifestyle, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's enough, though, to, to, to have a healthy, you know, to do fun things and be able to have a good life, but hmm. nothing, nothing where you can just retire and sit on the beach on. Okay. 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 So let, let's, let, let's talk about the, the future. Like what's the, what's the plan with um, you two going forward? What's the, what's the next move? Yeah, you want to jump in? The main thing is uh, continue to buy apartment buildings. Like okay. Jamil, we're, we're looking to get a thousand doors and we're looking to get 150, you know, at least 150 this year. Okay. Um, so that that's like the main thing is like to continue on this journey of buying uh, more doors. But then also now that we've ex- had this experience and we've realized that there is a need for people to learn is to also build that awareness. Okay. Continue to educate people on how we did it because we feel the way we did it is very uh, simplistic and pretty much anyone can do it as long as you're aligning yourself with the right people. And as long as you are intentionally going after the knowledge to do it, because like, like we all mentioned, or like we mentioned, we started with a single family home and literally in the hood. And now we have 52 units in the suburbs okay. and there was no, you know, like, you know, groundbreaking thing that we did to get there. It's just, we put in the work, we were intentional about our relationships um, and we just, worked really so knowing that we also want to obviously just uh be able to educate people on that so building the brand of monopoly bros and just making people aware this is what this is how we did it and this is you know and if you need help we're here to help in that manner and then but the main focus is just to keep buying apartments because that's what it's not to step away into like a education or field or anything it's to and then also just to, to be all the way uh transparent it's for people to see that what we're doing so that they want to partner with us gotcha. because you might not have the time or the resources or um, even want to do all the, 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 the groundwork, the cold calling, the analyzing deals, the raising uh, capital, but you might have your own money and you just want to deploy it. Okay. Knowing some, really people partner with other people because they trust them and they want to do business with them. So us building this brand, and showing people that we're doing it, that just is like our report card and makes people feel comfortable investing with us so that we gotcha. can buy apartments. Yeah, I got you. Thank you. And so, um, so me, I'm, uh, say I'm a 25 year old guy. I um, maybe I own one property, two properties. What is like the, what are maybe like, what are, I know it's not this simple, but uh, what are like one or two steps to get me from my portfolio of one unit to, to that? to that uh, apartment building, whether it be 52 units, 10 units, um, or, you know, just kind of um, to get into that commercial space? Honestly, the first step is just to start educating yourself. Okay. Um, you're already in the, the realm of real estate. So you already know real estate. So you just need to start learning multi or commercial multifamily. Okay. Once you start learning that, just start getting in the groups or the networking circles of people that are doing it and then start applying what you're learning and you'll get there. Cause it's not, it's, it's honestly, like we've said it before, it's not much difference between buying a single family home and buying a, a, a commercial multifamily. It's just bigger numbers. I mean, there are some different guidelines and such, but the process of analyzing a deal, 
you know, going on the appointment, having the money, finding contractors, all that, it's pretty much the same. Okay. Educate yourself, start getting into the networking circles, and then just take action. And, really- and also to add on to that as well is I, I, everything Eric said, 100%. And it also finds your, find your way, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, if you know, you may know who you are. Do you have the money to put up in a deal? Maybe, you, maybe you're at 25 year old, you have a great job, right? Maybe you live with your parents, you have X amount of money. Maybe partner with somebody into a deal and, and learn hands-on, right? Okay. Or if not, maybe, maybe if you don't have money, maybe hustle, how to find apartment deals. Maybe that's how you search. Figure out your way to get in and bring value to somebody else so you can get in a deal, right? And so uh, maybe it's relationships. Maybe, maybe you have very good relationships. Maybe you already know lenders and commercial brokers, right? And you could bring in different things. So everything Eric said, plus find your way in. I, th- I think um, um, people want things to just come to them, uh, but you have to go get it. So uh, that's another thing as well to add into that. And so, yeah, thank you. And so Eric, um, you talked about teaching folks. And so how, like um, folks can just like, how do folks can just reach out to you for like a consult? Or, like, how do you go about um, helping educate folks? Um, yeah, right now, yeah, that's all. That's pretty much all we have. But we're working on some things as well as like, uh, doing live Zooms like this or lives um, and then recording that content and making that available to people. But yeah, they can go to the Monopoly Bros and Monopoly.bros page on Instagram. The link is in our bio to to schedule a coaching call with us. Same thing on Twitter, Monopoly underscore bros. It's uh, our link is in our in the bio if they want to schedule a coaching call for to get on the uh, to get on a call with us. Okay. And all, all that info will be in the um, descriptions, whether you're listening on YouTube or, or the podcast, you'll be able just to, to click down there um, as as well. Um, really quick, you mind me interrupting really fast. Just want to add one thing. We another thing is when me, me and Eric started off, kind of I guess our first kind of one of our first partnerships. We actually host meetups here in Detroit, so we have free meetups that we do here in Detroit, um, and then we also do paid um, uh, like on like touring properties, whether it's a flip. Okay. Um, touring different properties. So another way to get education is like Eric said, is kind of is on the media side. But we also have things that we're going to host events where people can fly out to events that we're going to be working on doing as well, um, as well as like the you know courses or one on one calls. So uh, we're, we're we're working on those different things because we really believe that if we can do it, anybody can get an apartment. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Thank you. Um, trying to think, I don't know if we we missed anything. Um, Anything I may be left out as far as um, as far as going from uh, buying a, a unit. I don't know, anything you guys else want to cover. I don't know if I, a question I forgot to ask or something like that. I don't know if we we think we uh, we got everything. Uh, I don't think we really missed. That. I don't know, Jamil. Yeah, I, I don't think there's nothing missed. I think I think the I guess the ending note or how it do is just that you know back to the you know this the brand was chosen specifically. If you're that personally has one unit. Um, you know, or two units, like, don't be afraid to try to go for more. I think what holds people back is, is, is like you said, is fear. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that you can do it, right? And I think that's the biggest thing in Monopoly Bros is, like, you can do it. It's just a progression like anything else, right? Start yeah. small, work your way up, and keep going from there. So uh, that's kind of our story. And then you guys kind of heard it from being, being starting off in the hood, Detroit, and uh, working away to the suburbs with multifamily. If we can, anybody can. Got, got, got it. Thank you. And so my, my last question I always ask guys, it may be a little bit different answer from you two because you're you're well above the the price point I ask about. But um, if you had a million dollars and you had to spend it in a week 
on something real estate related, like what, what would you what would you buy with it? Like you got, you got one week to spend a million dollars. Like what would you do with it? I mean, I I, I know this. I mean, so I mean, in a week, I'm trying to put an offer on a property and put a million dollars down to get a multifamily. That that would be like my first thing. But if that wasn't somebody don't have that experience, I think what I would do is um you know I I would honestly go get this you know I just what I do. I would go, and it don't have to be with us. Obviously, we would love to be with us. Use that million dollars and invest into somebody's syndication or fund and say, hey, I have a million dollars. I want to get into multifamily space. Um, I see you do multifamily. I have a million dollars. I want to partner with you as a silent partner. But can you teach me on the back end how to get by multifamilies and learn the ins and outs of it? So I'll take that million dollars, invest with somebody else that runs a real estate fund that does buy multifamily, put that money up right with them and then also ask them hey in exchange i just want to learn every single thing and be in every meeting and be in every single thing from point a to, to point z so i can learn everything about multifamily so i can do it myself at some point that's that's what i would do, do with a million dollars how about yourself eric uh like me personally i would definitely go buy like i would i would be scouring the united states looking for storage units or uh yeah other apartment deals um yeah i probably would stay away from single family yeah i would i would probably just yeah i think i would just stick with i would be looking definitely looking to park it into some self-storage facilities or multi-family um apartment buildings or a combination of both um that's definitely what i would do right now personally Okay, okay, cool. Thank you. And that that was the final question, but I do have one more question since you, you brought up um, uh, Jamil talking about, um, and this is kind of what you did as well, but how, how do you go about actually vetting the people that you're investing with in the first place? Because you hear all these horror stories about, you know, I gave somebody a million dollars or $50,000 or or $100 and they ran off with it never to be seen again. Like, how do you, even, how do you vet these people that you're investing with in the first place? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. It's a it's a few ways, right? I think um, one is is getting past performance of what they've done, right? Okay. Experience and past performance. Um, that's an easy way to do it. So betting them not on social media, right, on Instagram per se, asking for their financials of their last uh, multifamily, and asking can you see their 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 P and L, right, of their last one of their last multifamily done. That's an easy way to do. Also, um, checking in and seeing, you know, like I said, experience how long they've been doing it. Um, and, if, and those two things don't work. I think another good thing, the way to vet people is to ask others that are respecting the space about them. I think okay. real estate people are very honest, right? If you, you have to have a good name in real estate, people know who does shiesty business. So ask other people that you already know that's trustworthy and ask about them, right? Say, hey, I, so-and-so, how do you feel about them? Have you, you know them? And they'll give you some answers. So, but one thing is numbers don't lie. So grab P&Ls, ask for P&Ls, ask for uh, past performance of your last multifamily deal and actually ask for the numbers. And then uh, match it up, and uh, you know, and if it makes sense for you, uh, it's always a risk, right? Yeah. That's another thing too. People scared to lose money, but that's the risk, right? We can lose money on this deal. That's a, that's a possibility, right? The economy, things can happen. Who knows, right? Um, but that's the risk. But what you do is a limp to mitigate that risk. You do your homework, and that's really looking at experience, past performers, pulling out the P and L, asking for other statements, and then also asking others that um, you know that know that may know them, asking how what they done business with. How they, and how they work and how they operate. And put 10% down instead of the full million. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Um, so once again, appreciate you, you two. Um, thanks for your time. Just, just one more time, each of you, like where can we find you individually and as a, as a unit as far as connecting with you? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Name? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on my personal page as much, but it's my first name, Jamil Strickland. Um, but honestly, that's not where the games at. Come to monopoly.bros okay. on Instagram okay. and then monopoly underscore bros underscore on Twitter. That's where you're giving out a lot of free game. That's where we're going to see us put a lot of content out. You can see our journey in multifamily space, see how it is to buy an apartment and many more things we're doing. So for me, go to those two, those two pages on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. That's where you're going to get all the stuff at. All right. How about you, Eric? Yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, two underscores E Friday, just like the day. Um, but yeah, like Jamil's, I mean, I'm pretty much everything that I put po- or being posted on Monopoly Bros page, I'm posting on my personal page. Okay. Um, I don't use my Twitter early at all. So yeah, underscore two underscores E Friday on Instagram and Monopoly.bros um, on Instagram. All right. Okay, cool. Like I said, appreciate your, your time. Thanks for you two for coming on the show. And, uh, we did not have a, we did not have an outro for this show, so it is uh over. So. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> All right.